نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that He has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. In this, uh, I don't know what is the number, uh, 13 or 14th, maybe. I think in our in this our 14th lecture of the explanation, the sharh of al-aqidah al-tahawiyah by al-imam Abu Ja'afa al-tahawi, rahimahullah. Uh, we would like to begin as usual by reviewing quickly the points which we discussed in detail in the last lecture just briefly and then go on to the following points uh, which inshallah will be the last point that we will deal with before the midway examination. Last week we discussed the saying of Al-Imam Al-Tahawi in point number 46 فَهَذَا جُمْلَةُ مَا يَحْتَاجُ إِلَيْهِ مَنْ هُوَ مُنَوَّرٌ قَلْبُهُ مِنْ أَوْلِيَاءُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى That this is in summary, or this is a summary of what the awliya of Allah the friends of Allah or those who are close or near to Allah and whose hearts are enlightened by Allah this is a summary or this is يعني, uh, basically the important things that a believer needs to know to believe in, to know and also to believe in and to accept completely and this knowledge, whoever has it, believes in it and accepts it he says وَهِيَ دَرَجَةُ الرَّاسِخِينَ فِي الْعِلْمِ That it is a degree or it is the degree or the level or the status of those who are the رَاسِخِينَ فِي الْعِلْمِ That is those who are firmly grounded or firmly established in knowledge يعني that they have correct knowledge and proper understanding لأن العلم علمان because the knowledge is of two types علم في الخلق موجود a knowledge that is present and accessible to the creatures وعلم في الخلق مفقود مفقود and a knowledge that is absent or inaccessible to the creatures and it is exclusive for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in reference to these two types of knowledge he says فَإِنْكَارُوا الْعِلْمِ الْمَوْجُودِ قُفْرَ whoever denies or rejects the knowledge that is present, that is accessible, that is the knowledge of the Sharia, the fundamentals of the Sharia, that is the Aqidah, as, as well as the branches of the Sharia, the jurisprudence. 
whoever rejects this knowledge does not accept it that person has disbelieved and likewise whoever claims the knowledge that is inaccessible to the creatures whoever claims this knowledge for themselves then this is also kufr because this knowledge is exclusively belonging to Allah alone and no one shares in it not even the angels or prophets except that which Allah has revealed to his messengers from amongst the angels and the messengers from amongst the prophets وَلَا يَثْبُتُ الْإِيمَانُ إِلَّا بِقُبُولِ الْعِلْمِ الْمَوْجُودِ وَتَرْقِ طَلَبِ الْعِلْمِ الْمَفْقُودِ And no one's iman or faith will be firm and established except that they submit to and accept the knowledge that is present and accessible, the knowledge of Jashariya, and they leave off and abandon seeking the knowledge that is mafqood, that is inaccessible to the human beings, and particularly here, he is referring to the knowledge of Al-Qadr and the affairs of Qadr which have been discussed at length up until this point and it also is applicable to the knowledge of the unseen matters that only Allah knows about or those things specifically related to his rububiyyah or his yani, controlling uh, and maintaining the universe and the actions of Allah which he does according to his will sometimes the human being might not understand why Allah does something but whatever he does is for wisdom and it's not always possible for the human being to see what is behind it in any case we must accept the present knowledge the Sharia and we must not seek that knowledge which exclusively belongs to Allah alone <coughs> that means one should not try to delve deeply into the secrets of the unseen and particularly the matters of Al-Qadr and Qadha, the divine decree and Allah's uh, actions in these matters they should be يعني, left point number 47 Imam Tahawi rahimahullah says وَنُؤْمِنْ بِاللَّوْحِ وَالْقَلَمِ وَبِجَمِيعِ مَا فِيهِ قَدْ رُقِمْ that we believe firmly in Al-Lawh the preserved tablet Allah al-Mahfuz and also the qalam, the pen that the writing is done with the first writing when Allah first created the heavens and the earth and he had everything to be written that would happen yani the maqadir or the decrees of everything that would happen from the beginning of the creation until yawm qiyamah as well as the other writings that took place at the time of the creation of Adam the writing of Adam salam, his life and his offspring as well as the writing that takes place when the fetus is in the womb of the mother and after 120 days the writing of their lifespan and actions and so on as well as the daily writing of the actions of the human beings the angels who write the good deeds and the bad deeds all of this is included in the writing or the qalam uh, the lawh the preserved tablet the qalam, the pen and everything that is written in the preserved tablet and then he says فَلَوْ اجْتَمَعَ الْخَلْقِ كُلُّهُمْ عَلَى شَيْءٍ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى فِيهِ أَنَّهُ كَائِنْ لِيَجْعَلُوهُ غَيْرَ كَائِنْ لَمْ يَقْدِرُوا عَلَيْهِ يعني if the whole of everyone and everything in the creation were to come together in order to stop something from coming into existence that Allah had written it would be then they could never be able to stop that which Allah had already decreed
ولو اجتمعوا كلهم على شيء لم يكتبه الله تعالى فيه ليجعلوه كائنا لم يقدروا عليه and likewise if Allah didn't decree or write that something would come into existence or be or happen then if the whole of everything and all the creatures in the universe in the heavens and the earth were to come together to bring something into existence or to cause something to happen that Allah didn't decree to happen they would never be able to do so and finally he closed this point by saying جفع القلم بما هو كائن إلى يوم القيامة that the pen has dried يعني the writing has stopped it's complete it has written everything that's going to come into existence and everything that's going to happen until يوم القيامة وما أقطع العبد لم يكن ليصيبه وما أصابه لم يكن ليقطعه and whatever has passed by someone it didn't befall them it was never going to befall them it could not have happened because Allah had written it as such and whatever befalls someone it could not have passed them by يعني it is Allah's decree once it happened then we accept it we know that that is what Allah has decreed and it could not have been otherwise no way it is as Allah has written once it takes place then it became clear uh, also the last point that we discussed last week is it the last point? no yeah naam point number 48 where Imam Al-Tahawi rahimahullah says وَعَلَى الْعَبْدِ أَنْ يَعْلَمَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ سَبَقَ عِلْمُهُ فِي كُلِّ كَائِنْ مِنْ خَلْقِهِ that Allah يعني that the slaves of Allah the servants the creatures should know that Allah previously had knowledge of everything that's going to come into existence of his creatures فَقَدَّرَ ذَلِكَ تَقْدِيرًا مُحْكَمًا مُبْرَمًا and Allah had decreed this he has uh, measured it he has prescribed it to be as it is in a decisive and detailed and definite way there is nothing that can contradict it what Allah has written or decreed and nothing can delay it or hold it back nothing can remove it nothing can change it and as I mentioned last week also in this, in the text of this manuscript, though I didn't find it in the other manuscripts, wala muhawwalun and nothing can يعني, move something that Allah has decreed from one place to another place or from one thing to another. All of the meanings of these words are similar. يعني, whatever Allah has written is fixed, cannot be changed. Wala naqisun, wala zaidun min khalqihi fi samawatihi wa ardihi. And there is no decrease nor increase in his creatures or in his creation of whatever is in, the, in his heavens and whatever is in his earth. وَذَلِكَ مِنْ أَقْدِي الْإِيمَانِ وَأُصُولَ الْمَعْرِفَةِ وَالْإِعْتِرَافِ بِتَوْهِيدِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَرُبُوبِيَتِهِ And these things, the acceptance of such and believing in it and acknowledging it, these are the things of the definite or the necessary aspects of a faith that a person has to have to have complete and correct faith. And it is of the fundamentals of the knowledge that a Muslim is required to have and those things that a Muslim is required to acknowledge or to accept or to confess, confess of the Tawheed of Allah Ta'ala, of Allah the Most High, His Oneness, declaring His singularity or His uniqueness and being alone in these things and particularly His Rububiyyah or His Lordship, His being the Creator and the Maintainer and the One who gives life and death and rules or administers the universe. And this is as Allah Ta'ala says in his kitab, fi kitabihi, wa khalaqa kulli shayin 
فَقَدَّرَهُ تَقْدِيرًا In Surah Al-Furqan, chapter 25, verse 2 uh, That Allah has created وَخَلَفَ كُلُّ شَيْءٍ Allah has created all things And He has ordered them or measured them or prescribed them in due proportions And also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَكَانَ أَمْرُ اللَّهِ قَدَرًا مَقْدُورًا In Surah Al-Ahzab, chapter 33, uh, verse 38 the command or the affair or the matter of Allah is a matter decreed and determined and fixed. Finally, he closes by saying, فَوَيْلٌ لِمَنْ صَارَ لِلَّهِ تَعَالَى فِي الْقَبْرِ خَصِيمًا So woe to the one who becomes يعني, uh, a challenger to Allah in his qadr, in what Allah has decreed. Someone from the creation wants to challenge what Allah has decreed. وَأَحْضَرَ لِلنَّظَرِ فِيهِ قَلْبًا سَقِيمًا And they come looking into these things or delving into them with a sick heart. A sick heart. Not a pure heart that is in submission and acceptance of what Allah has decreed. لَقَدَ إِلْتَمَسَ بِوَهْمِهِ فِي فَحْسِ الْغَيْبِ سِرًّا كَتِيمًا وَعَادَ بِمَا قَالَ فِيهِ أَفْسَاكًا أَثِيمًا Then that person who delves into the matters of the Qadr or the divine decrees of Allah in his attempt or his imagination or his own desires looking into these things and investigating the unseen he is seeking a secret that is sealed that cannot be uncovered Sirran Katiman it is sealed and he will end up whoever does such will end up as a as a liar Atheman a sinner or a wrongdoer this is uh, the summary of what we discussed last week in more detail. And today, inshallah, we will uh, take three points, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. And those three points will, uh, with those three points, we should arrive at just about or approximately halfway through al-aqidah, al-tahawiyah. And uh, at that point, inshallah, we should have a brief, inshallah, brief review and uh, an encouragement to make sure that we understood and that we يعني, grasp what we studied up until now يعني, an examination or test for our own selves Al-Imam Al-Tahawi Rahimahullah in point number 49 says وَالْعَرْشُ وَالْقُرْسِيُّ حَقٌ وَهُوَ مُسْتَغْنٍ عَنِ الْعَرْشِ وَمَا دُونَهُ محيط بكل شيء وفوقه وقد أعجز عن الإحاطة خلقه. These are three points actually. Point number forty-nine, fifty, and fifty-one. The first of them: والعرش والكرسي حق. العرش, the throne of Allah, والكرسي, and the chair or the footstool, حق. Both of these things are true. They are reality. They exist. They are something. They are yeah, I mean, uh, something of the creation of Allah which He has created, and it is clear from the scholars of the Ahlus Sunnah Jama'ah in all of their books when they discuss such things. And if we look in the books of Tafsir, of the uh, reliable and well-known and accepted books of Tafsir, such as the Tafsir of Al-Tabari and the Tafsir of Ibn Kathir, and even those who came later, Al-Qurtubi, and those who came closer to our time and even in our present time, we will see that Al-Arsh the throne, which as best we can describe it in English, the throne, and Al-Kursi, the chair, 
or the footstool which is actually closer to its correct meaning according to the saying of Ibn Abbas that these are two different creations that Allah created they are different, they are not the same Al-Arsh wal-Kursi haqqun both of these things are real and true Al-Shaykh uh, Muhammad Al-Khumis Hafizullah, may Allah protect and preserve him in his brief summary of this point, point number 49 says the Arsh of Ar-Rahman the Arsh of Allah, the Merciful, the Beneficent It is a reality about which there is no doubt It is not something in our imagination, it is a reality, it exists قَدْ ذَكَرَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى فِي آيَاتِ كَثِيرًا مِنْ كِتَابِهِ And Allah has mentioned this Arsh He has mentioned it in many ayats In the Quran, in his book uh, from amongst them is the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Buruj chapter 85 verse 15 uh, Dhul Arsh Al-Majid and the saying where Allah is describing himself وَهُوَ الْغَفُورُ الْغَفُورُ الْوَضُودُ Dhul Arsh Al-Majid فَعَالٌ لِمَا يُرِيدُ that Allah, He is the one who is the possessor or the owner of Al-Arsh Al-Majid the noble or the glorious Arsh Allah is the owner of this Arsh and he attached this arsh to himself giving an honor and a status to the arsh just as he when he attached or described the Baytullah the Masjid the Kaaba in Mecca as the Baytullah that is a form of giving honor and status to something in the creation and so also the arsh of Allah is one of the greatest uh, of, the, of the things that Allah has created he says that it is a tremendous, magnificent creation. Nothing encompasses it except Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, except Allah the Blessed and the Most High. It is carried by a number of great tremendous angels. The Arsh of Allah is carried by a number of great tremendous angels and it is the ceiling the arsh of Allah is the ceiling over Jannatul Firdaus Jannatul Firdaus which is the central or the highest place in paradise it is covered by the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all of these things that he has mentioned here are authenticated in the authentic hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa it is also reported authentically that the arsh has qawa'im qawa'im means legs or pillars يعني, underneath the throne it is authentically reported in hadith and these descriptions of the arsh of Allah are proof and a refutation of the explanation of those who said that al-arsh it's really not a throne but it is the mulk or the sovereignty of Allah the kingdom of Allah some people some of the scholars of tafsir and some of the people they said that the arsh is not really a throne but it is really it means Allah's sovereignty when Allah says in the Quran arsh, then he ascended above the arsh they said he ascended above his kingdom but here we find 
that the description of this arsh makes it clear that it is in fact uh, as the scholars of the Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah and the scholars of Arabic language said that al-arsh is the sarir al-malik it is like the bed of the king or the thing that the king, the platform or thing that he stands on we call it in English the throne it is usually something great and tremendous not like an ordinary chair or something that other people sit on uh, as for the kursi, al-kursi, he said it is also a reality and he said that it is وَهُوَ مَوْضِعْ الْقَدَمَيْنِ it is the place of the two feet the place of the two feet and this is also confirmed uh, authentically as it is reported from Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah and nothing surrounds the kursi of Allah nothing surrounds it or encompasses it or is greater than it except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He is the only one that is above it uh, and it has it extends the kursi extends over the heavens and the earth as mentioned in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 255 وَسِعَ كُرْسِيُّهُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَلَا يَعُودُهُ حَفْظُهُمَا وَهُوَ الْعَلِيِّ الْعَظِيمِ that this kursi, the kursi of Allah, kursiyuhu, the kursi of Allah, it is extending over and encompassing the heavens and the earth. And Allah is not burdened or tired from preserving the both of them, yani the heavens and the earth. He is the most high, the supreme. Also, some of the people defined or described or interpreted or reinterpreted gave their own definitions and explanations of Al-Kursi and they said that the Kursi really means the ilm, the knowledge of Allah that Allah's knowledge extends over the heavens and the earth they don't want to admit that which Allah mentions in the Quran clearly there's no need to reinterpret it if Allah said there's an Arsh, there's an Arsh if He said there's a Kursi, there's Kursi and there's proof also from the sayings of the Prophet wasallam that these are real creations that Allah created and from the Sahaba and those who came after them from amongst the scholars of the Tabi'een and the Imams of the Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah uh, Shaykh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani Hafizahullah, may Allah protect and preserve him comments on this point saying that we must know that the Arsh is indeed a very great creation as has been indicated in a number of Quranic verses and ahadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Allah has connected the Arsh to Himself in the saying Dhul Arsh Al-Majid that He is the owner Dhu means Sahib the one who owns or possesses something He is the owner or the possessor of the Arsh there are also other ayahs which Ibn Abil Iz in this longer explanation in his Sharh of Aqeed al-Tahawiyyah he mentions many many other ayahs proving such linguistically he said that Al-Arsh means Sarir Al-Malik Al-Malik the bed or the throne or the place of sitting of the king and it has many descriptions Awsaf 
that came in the Quran, such as in Surah Al-Haqah, I don't know, Surah Al-Haqah is 68, no, not 68, well, I forgot, Al-Haqah, if someone can check for us, uh, it is um, verse 17 in Surah Al-Haqah, where the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَيَحْمِلُوا عَرْشَ رَبِّكَ فَوْكَهُمْ يَوْمَئِذٍ ثَمَانِيَةٍ That on that day, يَوْمَئِذٍ meaning the day of resurrection, when all the people would be brought forth, there would be ثَمَانِيَةٍ eight great and tremendous angels carrying the throne of Allah فَوْكَهُمْ above everyone the throne would be above everyone and those eight angels would be carrying the throne of Allah Uh, and also it is mentioned that this throne is above the water yani in the hadith of the Prophet which he said that yani the distance between the earth and the heaven that is closest to the earth is the distance of traveling 500 years and between every one of the seven heavens is the equal distance and above the seven heavens is a body of water and above that body of water is the throne of Allah and Allah is above the throne also this is proven that the throne of Allah, the Arsh of Allah, is above a body of water. And in the Sunnah, it is mentioned authentically that one of the carriers of the throne of Allah is so great and so tremendous, one of these angels, that the distance between the tip of his ear to his shoulder, the distance from here to here on one of those angels is the distance that one travels in 700 years this is the size of the angels who are carrying the throne of Allah to show you the greatness of the throne of Allah and this is also a manifestation of the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we look at his creation then we see the greatness of Allah since we don't see Allah but we see his creation and from his creation we know his greatness and he also mentions here the, that it has pillars or legs the throne and that it is the ceiling for the genital firdaus and these descriptions all came as Shaykh al-Albani says in authentic hadith that has been mentioned by Ibn Abdul Iz in the lengthy sharh uh, or explanation of al-aqidah al-tahawiyah and these descriptions also he said show and probe and refute the false explanations of al-arsh that it means the sovereignty or the kingdom of Allah or the greatness of his authority no, not the greatness of his authority, but the, 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 it is a real existing creation. Uh, and we will refer to some, even that we can easily have access to some uh, such descriptions of Al-Arsh and Al-Kursi, yani where some of the people have given them a definition other than their reality. Here, Shaykh Al-Bani says, As for the Kursi, the saying of Allah, it is mentioned in the saying of Allah, that his kursi extends over the heavens and earth in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 255 uh, and he says that Al-Kursi is that creation which is in front of Al-Arsh it is in front of the Arsh and also it has been authentically reported from Abdullah ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما may Allah be pleased with him and his father موقوفا عليه موقوفا is different from مرفوعا and this is the point يعني, of technical terminology in the science of hadith that we should know مرفوعا 
means that something is attributed to the Prophet as a saying of the Prophet marfu'an rafa'a yarfa'u marfu'an mawqufan is from waqafa yaqifu mawqufan means that it stops at the companion it is not a statement of the Prophet but it is a statement of one of the Sahaba if you ever read someone said this is mawquf that means it's not attributed to the Prophet as a saying of the Messenger of Allah but it is a saying of one of the Sahaba this saying here that he mentions is a saying that is mawquf it is authentically reported but mawquf as a statement of Abdullah ibn Abbas that he said Al-Qursi mawdi' al-qadamain والأرش لا يقدر قدره إلا الله تعالى that the kursi is the place of the two feet and the arsh cannot be estimated يعني its greatness cannot be estimated by anyone except Allah سبحانه وتعالى no one knows how great it is it's so tremendous that nothing in the creation can really estimate or imagine how tremendous it is uh and then he says, and it is not authentically reported, marfu'an, yani as a statement of the Prophet ﷺ, anything concerning this matter except the statement of the Prophet ﷺ, this is attributed to him, marfu'an, this is the only authentic statement concerning this matter, it is the statement of the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, ma as-samawat as-sab'a fil kursi illa ta'alqatin Mulqat bi ard salat. that the seven heavens, the seven heavens are not as anything in comparison to the kursi, the footstool of Allah. They are not in, in any way to be compared to the kursi except as a small ring thrown in the desert. Yani if you compare a small ring thrown in the desert to the desert itself, how spacious and expensive is the desert and how insignificant is that ring so also is the insignificance of the seven heavens in comparison to the kursi of Allah not the arsh, the kursi the footstool of Allah then the Prophet ﷺ said وَفَضْلُ الْعَرْشِ عَلَى الْكُرْسِ كَفَضْلِ تِلْكَ الْفَلَاتِ عَلَى تِلْكَ الْحَلْقَةِ and the superiority of the arsh over the Kursi, the superiority of the throne of Allah over his footstool is equal and similar to the superiority of that desert to that small ring. Yani the superiority of the desert to the ring, just as the Kursi is like a great desert in comparison to a small ring, so also the greatness of the Arsh over the Kursi is like that. Yani the Kursi is like a small ring in the desert in comparison to the arsh of Allah and this is the authentic hadith reported from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and also he mentions here which is important perhaps you might read as is mentioned in the tafsir of Tabari and in some of other books uh, that it has been reported that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhum said that al-kursi it means al-ilm al-kursi is ilm knowledge but it is unauthentically reported from him yani the isnad containing, containing this statement or connecting this statement to Ibn Abbas is incorrect and unauthentic that Ibn Abbas said the kursi is knowledge this is not really a true statement from Ibn Abbas and this has been mentioned by Shaykh al-Bani in his book Silsala al-Ahadith al-Sahihah in volume 1 page 173 hadith number 109 where he also mentioned 
not here in his explanation of this book, but he also mentioned when I went back to that place, he also said that this explanation and description of the Qursi, as the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in this hadith, is a clear indication of the greatness and magnificence of the Qursi over everything else in the creation except the Arsh. And that this Qursi is in fact an existing creation that is independent, it has independent existence and it is not a figurative thing, a figurative thing, it is a real existing thing. And this is the refutation of those people who said that it means the sovereignty or the kingdom or the authority of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you look at the translation, for example, as a sample of this, you can look at the translation of Muhammad uh, Pixal, Muhammad Luke Pixal, in his translation of this ayah, Ayat al-Qursi, chapter 2, verse 255, he says, correctly, uh, I mean incorrectly, he says that Qursiyuhu, that his Qursi, he translated as his throne, includes the heavens and the earth. And he translated Qursi as throne, then what is the Arsh then? When the Arsh came later, he translated also as throne. As though the Qursi and the throne is the same thing. When they are clearly different from the Hadith of the Prophet there is a clear distinction between the Qursi and the Arsh. T.B. Irving, the American translator, the American professor, translated, though unfortunately, Allah Musta'an, there are many, many mistakes in his translation also, but here in this ayah, he translated correctly, his seat, Qursiyuhu, his seat extends far over the heavens and the earth, or not far over, just far over, but yani, it extends over and is greater than the heavens and the earth. Yusuf Ali, in his translation of this ayah, says, his throne, also he translates Kursi as throne. His throne does extend over the heavens and the earth. Not only does he translate Kursi wrong, but in his footnote, he said throne, it means seat, power, knowledge, or symbol of authority. And a throne is symbolic. It's symbolic meaning a seat or, or power. It's symbolic of power or symbolic of knowledge or it's just a symbol of authority. Not as though it's a real thing in existence, but it is just a figure of speech, a figurative expression. Abu al al Maududi, in his Tafim al Quran, they translated his statement in explanation of this that his kingdom, Kursiyuhu, his Kursi means his kingdom spreads over the heavens and the earth. His kingdom spreads over the heavens and earth. Yani the heavens and earth is his kingdom. What does that mean? His kingdom spreads over the heavens and earth. Isn't the heavens and earth part of his kingdom? Then how does his kingdom spread over its own self? Yani it doesn't even make sense. Worse than that, in the footnote to this verse, and this is the translation in English language of the Urdu explanation of Abu al-A'la al-Mawdudi, Rahimahullah, may Allah have mercy on him. He says the Arabic word Kursi has been translated into authority. Instead of as Kursi what it really is, it has been translated, this is his explanation, into authority because Kursi has been used here figuratively. 
Who told him that the kursi is figurative? Did the Prophet ﷺ say such? Where did we get this from? It has been translated as authority because kursi has been used here figuratively as a symbol of authority. And it doesn't really exist, it's just a symbol of authority. Even in English the word chair is used for the seat of authority. And what was more amazing than that? In another place, I just wanted to check what he said about Al-Arsh. Since he said the Qursi is figurative, what did he say about Al-Arsh? It was too long for me to write, I didn't have time, so I just brought the book. In volume 4 of the meaning of the Qur'an by Sayyid Abu al al-Mawdudi. In the ayah in the Qur'an, in Surah Al-A'raf, chapter 7, verse 54, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ رَبَّكُمُ اللَّهِ الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ فِي سِتَّةِ أَيَامٍ ثُمَّ اسْتَوَى عَلَى الْأَرْشِ That verily, your Lord, He is the one who created the heavens and the earth in six days, then He ascended above the throne. It is translated here, in fact, your Lord is Allah alone, who created the heavens and the earth in six days, and then sat upon the throne of His kingdom. And then sat upon the throne of His kingdom. Sure, Al-Arsh is throne, no doubt. But Al-Istiwa doesn't mean to sit. Allah doesn't sit on anything. Sitting means that Allah is supported by something. And Allah doesn't, is, doesn't need anything to support Him, but actually the throne itself is supported by Allah. Allah is the supporter of everything in the heavens and the earth, and nothing supports Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This translation of Al-Istiwa, ثُمَّ Al-Arsh as sitting, is incorrect and contrary to all of the scholars of Ahl Sunnah Jama'ah in their meanings of istiwa, none of them said that al-istiwa means al-julus. It's not found from the scholars of Ahl Sunnah Jama'ah or the scholars of tafsir that it means julus. In his explanation of this ayah, he went even further, which was really amazing. In footnote 41 to this same ayah, he says, it is very difficult for us to comprehend the nature of he sat upon the throne. It is difficult for us to understand or to comprehend the nature of ثُمَّ اسْتَوَى عَلَى الْعَرْشِ It is just possible, I am reading quotation from the book directly, these are his words as they translated from him. It is just possible that after the creation of the universe, he fixed, that is Allah fixed some place as the center of his limitless kingdom which may have been called the throne. It is possible that this happened and it may have been called the throne. All of this is in a strange language. It sounds like somebody is just perhaps, maybe, perhaps, making up things about the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is just possible that after the creation of the universe, he fixed some place in the center of his limitless kingdom which may have been called the throne from where he is showering his blessings on the whole universe and it is also possible that the Arabic word Al-Arsh may have been used figuratively to express his sovereignty and his seating himself on the throne. Again it is possible that the Arabic word Al-Arsh may have been used figuratively to express his sovereignty May have been. No, it's clear what it means and the Prophet ﷺ explained it. And seating himself on the throne may mean 
the taking of the reins of his kingdom in his hands. This may mean that and that may mean this and it is possible and perhaps this is not the way we explain the book of Allah. I am mentioning this because it is relevant to our topic and the misunderstanding of many people due to such interpretations of those who take liberties to explain by their own minds that which should be explained by the Qur'an itself as is the methodology of the scholars of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah that the Qur'an should be explained by other verses of the Qur'an and by the hadith of the Prophet the sayings of Sahaba and the Arabic language also finally but not first but instead perhaps maybe it may be this is not uh, tafsir of Qur'an uh, this is just an example of how some people reinterpreted or misinterpreted what Allah says in the Qur'an concerning Al-Arsh and Al-Kursi. Point number 50, Imam Al-Tahawi rahimahullah says, وَهُوَ مُسْتَغْنٍ عَلَى الْعَرْشِ وَمَا دُونَهُ That Allah is مُسْتَغْنٍ, He is without any need, He is free of need, He is completely independent of Al-Arsh and that which is less than it or below it or, other, or anything else besides it. Allah is completely independent and without need of any of these things. After Allah mentioned, after, the, after Imam Al-Tahawi mentioned the greatness of Al-Arsh and Al-Kursi, he wanted to make clear that however great it is, Allah has no need of it. Allah is not in need of anything. Allah is Al-Ghani, the one who is rich and free of need of anything or anyone. Here, uh, Shaykh Muhammad Al-Kumis, Allah says that Allah is without need of the Arsh and the Kursi. He did not ascend above the Arsh because he had a need of it. Yani a need to sit on it or to depend on it or to rely on it in any way. But on the contrary, it was due to, due to his great wisdom. It was due to a wisdom that Allah ascended, that he created the throne as well as he descended above it. And he is free of any such description that Allah has a need or any idea that Allah has a need of his arsh or of anything less than it or other than it. Allah is more great and more majestic than to be in need of anything. In fact, the arsh and the kursi are carried and maintained. They are carried by the qudra, the power of Allah and the sultan or the authority of Allah Azza wa Jalla. Then uh, Shaykh al-Albani also comments on this very same point that Allah is free of need and independent of his arsh and whatever is besides it. And he mentions here that the explainer of al-Aqil al-Tahawiyya, the original explainer or the one that is famous for his explanation, Ibn Abi al-Izz, Ibn Abi al-Izz, who is a great Hanafi scholar. And in fact, it is interesting to note that many of the Hanafi people whose aqidah is contrary to the aqidah of Ahl-Sunnah al-Jama'ah they, they refuse to accept the idea that Ibn Abi al-Izz, who was a very great and famous Hanafi scholar, they said, no, he couldn't have written this book. Because it's not in accordance with their false and deviant aqidah, but it is in accordance with the aqidah of the Ahl-Sunnah al-Jama'ah. Ibn Abi al-Izz, he, in his explanation, uh, mentions or discuss this point uh, to show that Allah is without need of the Arsh. 
and to show that Allah didn't ascend above the arsh because of any need for it but in fact it was for some great wisdom the fact that something which is high above that which is low al-ali fawqa safil the thing that is high ali it's being high above that which is below it doesn't necessitate that the thing that is below it is supporting it or holding it or carrying it or encompassing it it's not so that if something is below that it necessarily it's not a necessity that it is supporting or carrying that which is above it and nor is it a, necess- a necessity that the thing which is al-a'la is muftaqiran ilayhi yani it is not a necessity that the thing which is high is in need of that which is below it that's not a necessary condition look at the heavens how they are above the earth but the heavens are not in need of the earth the heavens do not rely upon the earth the earth is not holding up the heavens though the heavens is above the earth so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is greater and more majestic than that His Highness, His Al-Ulu, His Highness should require that that which is below Him is supporting Him or holding Him up but in fact it is from the special characteristics of Allah's characteristic of Al-Ulu, His Highness or His loftiness, His exaltedness it is of the special khasais it is particular to Allah alone not to other things in the creation that Allah's being high is different than anything else in the creation which is high above something else in the creation and of the special characteristics of Allah's highness or His exaltedness is that uh, Allah even though He is above everything which is below Him He is carrying or supporting or upholding those things which are below Him and those things which are below Him are in need of Him not He in need of them Allah is free of need of anything that is below Him and He is encompassing everything that is below Him Allah is above His Arsh even though He is maintaining or carrying or supporting the Arsh and He is also supporting the carriers of the Arsh the angels that support or carry the Arsh Allah is free of need of the Arsh but the Arsh is in need of Allah Allah is encompassing the Arsh but the Arsh cannot encompass Allah Allah encircles or surrounds or restrains or restricts or limits the Arsh but the Arsh cannot restrict or restrain or encircle Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is peculiar and particular to Allah alone and not to anything else in the creation those who negated the highness of Allah Al-Ulu those who negated the highness of Allah they denied its meaning that Allah should be described as being high above those people primarily as well known today they said that Allah is everywhere we cannot say Allah is above in some place but Allah is in every place 
those people who denied Allah being high above his creation, if they had considered these matters carefully, they would have been guided to the correct way. And they would have known and understand the uh, agreement between the intellect and that which Allah revealed. Yeah, I mean, there wouldn't have been a conflict or contradiction between the intellect and rationality and that which Allah had revealed if they had only considered. But their intellect, they gave it superiority and precedence over the revelation. So instead of accepting and submitting the re to the revelation, they accepted the rationality of their mind and rejected Allah's revelation by redefining it or negating it. If they would have considered, they would have followed the evidence and they would have been led aright. But instead they contradicted the evidence and they went astray from the correct path. In fact, the correct and true understanding is as was mentioned by Al-Imam Malik, rahimahullah, the Imam of the people of, Al of, of Medina, when he was asked about the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah ascended above, high above the throne. When he was asked about this verse in the Quran, in Surah Al-A'raf, verse 753, and other such verses like this, and there are seven places in the Quran where Allah mentioned that he ascended above the throne. When he was asked about such verse, Al-Imam Malik, rahimahullah, said, they said to him, كيف istiwa? How is this istiwa or ascending? He said, Al-Istiwa Ma'aloom Wal-Kayf Majhool Al-Istiwa Ma'aloom The ascending is known, meaning in Arabic language, it's well known what it means. Wal-Kayf Majhool Exactly how is Allah's ascending is Majhool, is unknown, not known to us. We know that Allah ascended above the throne because He said so. Exactly how does He ascend or descend the actions of Allah, the how of them, we don't know. We affirm whatever Allah said about Himself without explaining the how of it. The how is only known to Allah. And in some places, as we know, He also said that believing in it is wajib, al-iman bihi wajib, was-su'al anhu bid'ah. To believe in Allah's ascending above the throne is obligatory. And to ask about it or to question or to ask for its explanation, this is bid'ah, it is innovation. Because Imam Malik was in Medina in the time of the Tabi'een and those people who learned from the Sahaba and he didn't find any of the scholars from the people before him, the scholars of the Tabi'een and the scholars from Sahaba asking how was Allah's istiwa. They affirmed that Allah ascended above his throne and they didn't ask the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam nor did the Tabi'een ask the Sahaba nor did the Imams of the Ahl Sunnah Jama'ah ask the Tabi'een or those who came before them but we affirm it and we accept it and we believe in it as Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala said it. The verses of Al-Istiwa specifically that mention Al-Istiwa in the Quran or in chapter 7 verse 54 Chapter 10, verse 3, chapter 13, verse 2, chapter 20, verse 5, chapter 25, verse 59, chapter 32, verse 4, and chapter 57, verse 4. And there are many other, also many other proofs about Allah's highness and His exalted uh, station above everything in the creation. These specifically mention Al-Istiwa and there are others that prove it through other expressions that are very very clear in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah. The last point Al-Imam al says 
point number 51 muhitun bi kulli shay'in yani that Allah is muhitun bi kulli shay'in he is encompassing or surrounding everything wa fawqahu and he is above it yani above everything wa qad a'jaza an al-ihata khalqahu and Allah has made his creation incapable or unable to encompass him yani Allah encompasses everything but nothing can encompass Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is a clear distinct separation between al-khaliq the creator and al-khalq the creation Allah the creator is completely different distinct and separate independent from the creation there is no yani, connection Allah doesn't come inside of the creation or become encompassed by it here the Shaykh Muhammad Qunayyad says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encompasses everything of all created things including the arsh and that which is left in it and there is nothing above the arsh there is nothing above the arsh except Allah ta'ala and Allah has encompassed everything ihaqa ilm wa idraq wa ghalaba wa kahra yani the encompassing of Allah of everything is encompassing by his knowledge, his ilm wa idraq yani having comprehension of everything wa ghalaba overcoming everything wa kahra yani having power over or conquering everything that exists it doesn't mean that Allah is everywhere but it means that Allah has knowledge of, of everything and Allah sees everything and Allah hears everything and Allah's power is control of everything Uh, and nothing in the creation encompasses Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Allah says in the Quran in Surah Taha chapter 20 verse 110 يَعْلَمُ مَا بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمَا خَلْفَهُمْ وَلَا يُحِيطُونَ بِهِ عَلْمًا that Allah knows everything that is before them and, and whatever is behind them and nothing of the creation none of them or, or nothing in the creation can encompass him by their knowledge And this is basically what we wanted to cover today. This will be the last point, inshallah, that we will uh, cover uh, before stopping at the halfway point. There's some uh, time left. If there's any uh, questions or comments, you may uh, take this time to make your comments or corrections or ask any questions about what we covered today. Concerning this topic of Al-Ulu or the Highness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala among the other verses, besides those which mention that Allah ascended above the heavens and the earth, there are other verses which prove that Allah is high above the heavens and the earth. And amongst them uh, is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Taha, chapter 20, uh, verse 4 through 6. Yani that this is a revelation which descended from the one who created the earth and the heavens, the, the high heavens. 
and Allah ascended above his throne. Yani that the revelation descended from Allah is a proof that Allah is high above the creation. And also another place in the Quran, Surah Ali Imran, chapter 3, verse 55, the saying of Allah is, Is qala Allahu ya Isa inni mutawafikum, mutawafika wa rafi'uka iliyya. That he said that Allah said, remember when Allah said to Isa alayhi salam, I will take you and raise you up to myself. Yani, that, that he will take your soul and raise you up to himself. Yani, mutawafika, it doesn't mean that he would take his life, but he would raise him up to himself. Rafi'uka uh, iliyya means that Allah would raise Isa alayhi salam up to the heavens, up to himself, where he would remain until the last day, when he would descend to the earth as one of the great signs of the last day. Uh, and another verse in the Quran, Surah Al-Nahl, I think chapter 60, 16, verse 50, يَخَافُونَ That they fear their Lord from above them, their Lord who is above them, مِنْ فَوْقِهِمْ وَيَفْعَلُونَ مَا يُؤْمَرُونَ And they do whatever they are commanded to do is another proof that Allah is above His throne. Uh, and one other verse, and, the, and there are many in chapter Fatir, chapter 35 verse 10, إِلَيْهِ يَسْعُدُ الْكَلِمَ الطَّيِّبِ يعني that the good word ascends up to Him, يعني showing that Allah is above the heavens and the earth and there are also many other proofs of such there are some questions here before the adhan inshallah assalamu alaikum can we pray for things such as extension of life or is this part of qadr wal qada fixed is it forbidden to pray for longer life for ourselves and our families then ma'am it's permissible to pray for a longer life uh, this is as we said before the question of al qadr wal qada it requires that we review it carefully so that we can understand the principles of al-qadr wal-qadr. From once the principle of al-qadr wal-qadr is that Allah knows everything that's going to happen from the beginning when He created the heavens and earth or even before that until the end. Allah knows everything and He wrote it and He willed it and He brought it into existence. He executed that which He knew and that which He wrote and that which He willed. This means that if anyone prays for extension of life, to have a longer life, and no one should pray for a longer life except that they make as a condition that they pray for a longer life as long as it's going to be good for them. Yani as long as extending their life will mean extending their good deeds. Don't just pray for a longer life, but pray for a longer life of doing good deeds. Otherwise there's no benefit in living a longer life. Uh, it means that Allah already knew who's going to pray and ask for a longer life. Allah already knew. In his knowledge, he knows that this creature is going to create one and that person will come into this world and they will pray for a longer life and Allah will answer their supplication if he wills. He already knows that. So that means that their lifespan that was known to the angels when they were in the womb of their mother, that which was written for them as their lifespan, not that which is in Allah al-Mahfuz, which is unchangeable, but that which is written by the angels, known to the angels, what Allah gave some knowledge of to the angels, that Allah also knew that during that person's lifespan that they would supplicate for longer life or for more sustenance or whatever. And if they did the things that 
make it so that Allah will answer their supplication then Allah knows that he will answer their supplication and extend that which is written and known to the angels but that which he extend their lifespan to is already written in Allah al-Mahfud and known to Allah I hope that is clear <laughs> and there is no change in Allah al-Mahfud but what has changed is that which is written daily just as the deeds of a person, their good deeds or bad deeds that is written by the angels that record might also be changed if Allah wills, if they do the things that will allow it to be changed if a person does things to have their bad or their sins removed then it may be removed from that which is written by doing the things that allow it to be removed and so also the extension of life or sustenance yani likewise might be changed from the daily writing and the yearly writing and that which is written by the angels in, at the time when the uh, child is in the womb as for that which is written that which is known to Allah from the very beginning that is unchangeable Yani whatever you supplicate for, it is within the knowledge that Allah already knew before you supplicated. And whatever He answers of our supplications was already known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the beginning. Please mention some of the groups today that say Allah is everywhere, such as the Aisha'ariyah, Sufiyah, etc. Please comment. Yani there is not much to comment on. In fact, uh, the Aisha'ariyah, we can say that the Aisha'ariyah, which is yani, unfortunately the Madhab, of the majority of Muslims in the world today and it is the madhab of the University of Al-Azhar that madhab from Abu Hassan Al-Ashari Rahimahullah who was a great scholar from Ahl-Sunnah Al-Jama'ah who originally in the early part of his life was from the Mu'atizila and later left them and refuted them these ideas that he had which the people are following today attributing to him in the end of his life he refuted such and he wrote a book called Al-Ibana and in that book Al-Ibana he wrote his Aqeedah and in his Aqeedah he wrote that his Aqeedah is the Aqeedah of the Ahl Sunnah Wal Jama'ah the Aqeedah of Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal Rahimahullah and he made clear what is his Aqeedah and his Aqeedah is other than what the people who attribute their beliefs to him it is other than that he refuted that belief he denied it he negated it and his book is present it is present for whoever wants to see it and to read it. So the Aisha'ariya particularly, and also many of the, most of the Sufi yani, groups uh, have such belief that Allah is everywhere. And even uh, others, uh, such as I remember in America, Warasuddin Muhammad, when he first became the leader of, his, of the movement of his father, he used to make statements like Allah is everywhere, Allah is in everything, in every place. He is in fire but he is not burned. He is in this but he is not that. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Where did where do these people get such statements from? Where do they get such statements from? It is a shame that unfortunately most of the Muslims in the world today, if you ask them where is Allah, they will say Allah is everywhere. But in fact, Allah doesn't say so in the Quran. Allah says that He is above His throne, and His throne is above everything in the creation, and Allah is high above His throne. So this is where Allah is. And Allah also says, as the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in authentic hadith, that in the last third of the night, that you should supplicate Allah in that time when Allah descends to the lowest heaven, the heaven that is closest to this earth, and He uh, says, who will ask me so that I may grant them, and who yani, call on me so that I may answer them. Uh, this is the proof that Allah is in fact above His throne. How is Allah descending? Yani, we don't ask how, but we affirm as the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam affirmed it in the authentic hadith.
ഇതാ